Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good morning, everyone. We've got a nice edition of Brunch with the Sharks as they take on the Pens at 10 o'clock on this Sunday morning. Let's take a look big picture at the standings as we get ready for today's game. The San Jose Sharks currently sitting at fifth in the Pacific Division, 17 wins, having won their last two in a row, 14 losses, one overtime loss, 35 points on the year, one point back of fourth place Edmonton, three points back of third place Calgary, six points back of second place Anaheim, and seven points back of first place Vegas. So the Sharks definitely still in the hunt right now. And if we take a switch over to that wild card positioning, the Sharks are currently in third place. One point back of Edmonton and the same amount of points back of first place Colorado, who has the tiebreaker over Edmonton. So some things to pay attention to here with the Sharks. Listen, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and talk about what they're going to be and what they need to do to be a playoff team because that's, you know, we got to see how this season plays out. But I would say it's an accomplishment that 32 games in that they are in the hunt and they also have some games to make up, three of them right now, two of which will be at home. So let's see what the Sharks can do here. But I like where they're sitting. I like what they've been able to do so far. But again, if they can string together some wins, have a three out of four on the road here, that'll go a long way in determining the outcome of this season. Now, we might not have the NHL participating in the Winter Olympics, but we also have some incredible athletes representing the U.S. on the women's team, which was announced yesterday. That'll be led by Hillary Knight and Kendall Coyne Schofield. Some of the other forwards selected were Abby Roke, Kelly Panic, Gracie Zimwinkle, Brianna Decker, Haley Skumara, Jesse Comfer, Hannah Brandt, Danny Cameronisi, Alex Carpenter, Amanda Kessel, and Abby Murphy. Defenders were selected were uh, Lee Steckline, Kayla Barnes, Caroline Harvey, Megan Keller, Megan Bozek, Savannah Harmon, and Jincy Dune. Goalies, Nicole Hensley, Alex Cavallini, and Maddie Rooney. So I am very excited to see the women's tournament for a number of reasons. And we're going to be working on getting some interviews here on the Sharks Audio Network during the Olympic Games, doing more coverage of the uh, hockey at the Olympics. So stay tuned, everyone. Out of the NHL yesterday, the Canadians announced that they would be going on pause through Thursdays. They currently have 16 players in COVID protocols. Montreal has had eight games postponed so far this year. At a cold, cold Winter Classic yesterday, the Blues held on to down Minnesota 6-4. I know some people have grown a bit bored with the outdoor games, but my kids are eight and almost six, and both of them thought it was really cool. And I always try to remind people that the NHL has our dollars, has our fandom already. Things like this are helping develop the next generation of fans And it seems to be working. So, you know, if the Sharks announced the Stadium Series game tomorrow, we would be there without a doubt. I mean, whether or not it's your team, I I get it. But if you're a young kid or if it is your team, you know you're looking at this as if it is a huge, huge event. 
All right, we're going to look at today's game in a little more depth, get you to know the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, that one gets underway at 10 o'clock this morning. Our pregame coverage starting at 9.30, and we are now joined by Josh Yoey of The Athletic, who covers the Pens. Josh, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, same to you. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. I'm excited for us uh, to be seeing the Sharks and Pens to play for the first time in what feels like a long, long time as I don't know. Every time I say it feels like things are getting closer to normal, then the NHL shuts down for as a mini pause for a couple of days or something like that. So I won't get too far ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we're looking forward to uh, this game. And I, you know, I guess just for Sharks fans who haven't seen the Pens in a while, like what's the 30,000 foot view on this team right now? Because they're not they're not great, but they're not terrible. And I, I feel like we're looking at a good game here. Yeah, it should be. Because uh, some morning hockey in, in California, I guess, come to think of it. <laughs> yeah, 10 o'clock. And I'm not sure why the 1 o'clock Eastern time faceoff. I, I I assume it's because the Steelers play on Monday night this week. And so I guess the Penguins figured, oh, we got nothing else going on Sunday afternoon. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a sneaky good season for the Penguins, really. Um, when you consider they've got the, the 10th best record in the league. Uh, they're nine points clear of being out of the playoff picture now. And they've played all season without Evgeny Malka, and they've mm-hmm. played about half the season without Sidney Crosby. Uh, the rest of their big names have also missed chunks of time with COVID or injuries. But to me, it's been an extraordinarily successful start to the season for the Penguins, really. And goal prevention has been the thing. Uh, they're the third-best defensive team in hockey. Uh, Tristan Jari has been out of mm-hmm. his mind good this season. Don't think the Sharks are going to see him tomorrow. He's got COVID. He's dealing with some minor symptoms, so I would expect Casey to Smith to get the start. But uh, this isn't your typical Penguins freewheeling, offensive-minded team. Uh, they're not quite as explosive as they once were, but the defensive work has really, really been impressive. Is that a big part of why the numbers for Jari have been so good? You know, he's his goals against average. It's like one one nine one one nine two something like that. His save percentage is is nine thirty. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. I forgive me, I don't have these off the top of my head, but I was maybe doing some fantasy scouting earlier. <laughs> no, I mean that's part of it for sure. Uh, it reminds me of a story uh, when Mark Andre Fleury was in his first season with Vegas when they were an expansion team. I I ran into him at a practice. And, I said, Flower, I said, you have the best numbers of your career and you're playing for an expansion team. Like, how is this possible? And I, I will clean up the language that he used. But he said, ah, no more two-on-one and breakaways like I faced in Pittsburgh all the time. <laughs> so that's always how the Penguins have played, right? But it's not how they play anymore. Um, they've really cut down on the odd man rushes against. Um, sure, it has helped Jari. They have a good, solid blue line. Their top pairing of Crystal Tang and Brian Dumoulin is still, after all these years, really, really good. Uh, but I, I'm taking nothing away from Jari. Mm-hmm. He was a disaster in the playoffs last year against the Islanders. They should have won that series. They were the better team, and, and he was just horrible. Uh, a lot of people wanted him traded this summer. The GM, Ron Hexall, decided to keep him, and he has just been solid as a rock every single night. I uh, can't say enough about how good he's been. What about Malkin? You mentioned him. I mean, we're looking at that return. Do we have a definitive timeline? Well, he's not going to play against the Sharks. Yeah. Um, he already, Malkin actually talked to the media the other day and said that. Um, however, he said he thinks he's about 10 days away. The Penguins have a big Western road trip coming up next week. In fact, they'll be in San Jose, I think, on January 15th, I want to mm-hmm. say, a Saturday night. He should be in the lineup by that night. Uh, he will be back at some point that week. 
So, you know, I've been watching him in practice for the last few weeks. He looks really good. I, I think he probably could be playing now. They're, they're being cautious with him coming off of the second ACL tear of his career. But uh, I, I would think within seven to ten days he will be back. Yeah, and this the surgery was in May. So, I mean, does this jive with the timeline of what you expected? Yeah, it does. He's always been a uh, – He's kind of a legendary quick healer. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys when you say you're out six to eight weeks, he always comes back in four. He's just always been that way. Uh, but he is 35 now. So they, they had to kind of slow him back a little bit. But the thinking was he was going to be back in December or January. And so he, he's right on pace. And, and he certainly will make a difference. Uh, when you get a Hall of Famer back in the lineup, You know, he's not the player he was five or ten years ago, but he's still pretty darn good. And if there's been one area of weakness for the Penguins, their power play has been horrible all season. And a lot of that's because of all the big names who have been out of the lineup. You bring him back, uh, he will instantly make that group better, I have to imagine. And then what's the latest with Sidney Crosby? You know, it's been a rough season for him. He missed the first few weeks because of wrist surgery. He didn't want to have the surgery. It's been bothering him, believe it or not, for seven years. He's had a bad wrist. And it all happened when the Penguins were playing the Blues in 2014. Ryan Reeves hit him behind the net, hurt his wrist. It's been bugging him ever since. The doctors told him back in May, we don't think you need surgery. Just rest all summer. That's what he did. He came to Pittsburgh on Labor Day, and they said, well, what's (laughs) going on? He said, my wrist still hurts. They said, well, all right, we better have the surgery then. So they had surgery, missed the first seven or eight games of the year. Then he gets COVID after one game back. And missed a few more games with that. Um, he's playing pretty well now. He had a very slow start. His goal-scoring touch just still isn't there. He only has four goals. Uh, still putting up a point per game. He, you know, he's still playing at a very high level. But uh, hasn't quite put it all together yet. You can tell he's still a little bit off. Do you feel like this team still thinks that if they can get everything right come playoff time that they that they still have a chance? Like I, I'm just, you know, obviously when we talk about some of the names on this team. It's, it's hard for me to remove myself from thinking about this team. I don't care about age. When they are in the playoffs, I'm still going to fear them if I am the opposition. Yeah, I, I think they do have a pretty confident outlook, and you can see why. Um, you know, Last year, they had the sixth-best record in hockey, and they also had the second-most man games lost. That's a pretty impressive combination. Wow. Um, Crosby and Malkin are not quite as dominant as they were, say, when the Penguins were winning their cups in 16 and 17. They're still great players. And, and the rest of the team is just really deep, really good defensively. They have four lines that can score. And Jari has, has made such of a difference with his goaltending. Uh, yeah, I mean, do I look at them as a no-doubt Stanley Cup contender? No, I, <laughs> I don't look at them the way I do Colorado or Tampa teams like that but could they make a run in the playoffs sure they could um, everyone always says every year well they're going to be the Blackhawks or Kings they're going to fall off and yeah, one of these years I'm sure they will but until they do it you still have to take them pretty seriously and, and I'd be remiss if I did not mention the man behind the bench Mike Sullivan mm-hmm. uh, the job he has done I, I mean I, I just can't say enough about what a great coach this guy is he was supposed to be Team USA's coach in the Olympics yeah uh, I really feel bad for him that he's not getting that opportunity. I think he would have done a great job. This guy is one of the best coaches in the world. Oh, yeah. I was supposed to interview him a little bit earlier this year for Doug Wilson's uh, Hall of Fame stuff. And the day that we were set to do the interview, then that little, you know, wee bit of news that he had COVID came out. And I was like, ah, well, so much for that. But yeah, he's he's an incredible coach. Um, what, what conversely concerns you about this team going forward? 
Well, Jari still has to prove he can do it in the playoffs, for mm-hmm. one thing. And there are goaltenders who can do it in the regular season who can't in the playoffs. But I, I actually, when I look at this team, I, I go back to Crosby and Malkin, and I still think the way the Penguins are built, you know, they, those two still have to be fairly dominant in the playoffs for them to go through the East. And, you know, they're going to have to go through maybe the Capitals and Carolina and then Tampa or Florida just to get to the final. Uh, that's quite a road. And Crosby and Malkin are still great players. My question is, can they still elevate their games in the postseason? Because the fact is, they haven't the last two or three years. They, they really, the Islanders have shut them down on a couple of occasions, especially Crosby. And, you know, there was a time when even when the Penguins would lose in the playoffs, those two were still putting up big numbers. Um, so can they kind of turn the clock back? and still be better than point-per-game players in the postseason. Maybe they can. I'm not suggesting they can't, uh, but they haven't done it in a few years now. So I'm very curious to see how they will handle that stage this spring, assuming they're in the playoffs. If they can still be dominant players in their mid-30s, there's no reason this team can't make a run. What do you make of the relatively, I don't know, kind of – you know, feast or famine nature of the pens this year. Cause slow start, you know, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And then it kind of turned into, you know, three straight losses, five straight wins, three straight losses, six straight. Wins. I mean, it just, it doesn't, I don't know. Whenever I see something like that, I always try to figure out if, you know, I'm not looking deep enough into the matrix. Um, but then I just come back to the fact that maybe I'm not smart enough. Well, that's been my problem for 41 <laughs> years in counting, but um, no, I, it has been a very streaky team. You know what's funny about the Penguins? They've had some games, as most teams have, where you have so many people with COVID, so many people hurt. You know, your lineup's all over the place. On those nights, they've actually been better. It's almost as though when they get healthy, when they have their full lineup, they, they relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you lose three in a row. Uh, we, we've seen that from them a good bit this season, and I think that probably has something to do with it. That said, they're on a heater right now. They've won yeah. seven in a row, but, you know, the question, they haven't played in two weeks. So <laughs> who, who knows what kind of form they're going to be in or who even is going to be in the lineup. It's it's just a strange time right now. So I think they're definitely a playoff team, but they're a streaky team, and they're, they're just a tough team to gauge. Yeah, the last game uh, for our listeners, that was on the 19th, of December, a 3-2 win over the Devils. So, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, we saw the Sharks come back after their mini layoff uh, for the holiday, and they were, uh, oh, it was an 8-7 win that they were able to record in a shootout. So it was, uh, you know, that's enough goals for three games right there. What what are your perceptions of the Sharks right now, with the caveat that I know you're not staying up till 1 a.m. most mornings for the end of all West Coast hockey? Well, you know, I didn't have real high expectations for them entering the season. I think they might be a little better than I thought. Um, But they're they're another team. It's not like they don't have talent. They really do. It's just are some of their older guys going to be able to play at that same level that they did a few years ago? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they can, I don't think the West is as good as the East. I really don't. So can a team like the Sharks, you know, be a playoff team? Yeah, I, I think they can. I, I'm actually curious to see them twice in the next couple of weeks. I, I still think they're an interesting team. I, I know they're in kind of a – I can't figure out what they're doing, if they're rebuilding or kind of reloading or, or what the plan is for them. But it's not like they don't still have some legitimate talent. I really think they do. Just in case you want the uh, clarification, Doug Wilson called it a reset so, you know, if you'd like, we can get into a uh, later argument of semantics for about 30 uh, minutes or so. Uh, but we'll save that for another show. Uh, what do you make of this game? 
Well, you know, you said it. The Sharks just played an 8-7 game, and we've seen a lot of teams play really high-scoring games in their first games back after the break, and it's going to be the Penguins' first game back. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what to expect because that hasn't been their mantra at all this season. Um, but that could happen. I will tell you this, for whatever it's worth, I know it's tough for the Sharks playing a 1 o'clock game in the Eastern time zone. But for whatever reason, the Penguins, I don't have the numbers in front of me. The last four or five years, they absolutely stink in afternoon games. They really do. Most of the players on the team hate afternoon games. Crosby's the only one who likes it. He's always told me he wishes every game was in the afternoon. <laughs> he feels more focused. He loves afternoon games. Most of the team doesn't, especially at home. We have seen a ton of sluggish performances. So I'm not expecting a crisp game. But that might make for a really entertaining game. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we get kind of a back-and-forth type game. Josh, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate your work, everything you're doing with The Athletic. Keep it up. And uh, the most important question, are you going to be out here in a couple of weeks? Uh, I never miss the California trip. Uh, California in January is something that I, mu- I, I much enjoy as I look outside and see the rain pouring down <laughs> in the gray skies here in chilly Pittsburgh. So, yes, I, I, I will be there for sure. Again, that was Josh Yowie of The Athletic bringing us up to speed on the pens ahead of today's game against Pittsburgh, which for the Sharks, again, I look back to what they've been able to do earlier this year on the road. They were able to get three consecutive wins on that first five-game road trip, followed it up with two losses. Then they had a five-game road trip during the COVID-impacted Sharks, the Sharkuda, the Sharkuderie, as Randy Hahn called them so brilliantly. That was a two-and-three trip, which you felt decent about given their current roster situations. And then we more recently had the five-game road trip where, again, they started out with three straight wins and couldn't get that fourth out of five, even though they were in a lot of those games, especially the game against the Rangers. That was one where, you know, you give up one goal, you feel like you should be walking away with a win, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Now the Sharks have another golden opportunity in which they can get some points on the road. And I'm not trying to overlook Pittsburgh or any of the opponents coming up on this schedule, but the fact is that you do start out with Pittsburgh and then Detroit and then Buffalo and then Philadelphia. All of these teams are beatable. And then you come home, Detroit, Rangers, Pittsburgh, LA Kings. Again, these are winnable games. I I look at all of these for the Sharks right now and think to myself that if they're going to make a climb in the standings, considering they also have three games to make up, two of which are at home games, you know, they, they do have the ability here. It's just the consistency with the Sharks this year has been the relative inconsistency. And I don't think that I'm breaking any news to anyone with that. But, you know, that is something to pay attention to. And we've talked about it before with Bob Bugner. And we've seen him talk about the best players needing to be the best players. And they need to play this defensive first game mentality. And they've been pretty good at doing that. I mean, look at... Look at this last two games. I mean, they were rusty as all get out in that Tuesday night win, and then they really came back with a much cleaner performance against the Flyers on Thursday. The Coyotes game, pond hockey, in the words of James Reimer. In terms of what they did on Thursday night against the Flyers, that was the Sharks team that we expected to see, and they put a really clean performance out there. Yeah, they need to be better on the power play. I go back to what Randy Hahn said in our 30-game review roundtable that we did with Brett Hedekin and Dan Rusinowski, and one of the things that Randy said was that we, we talked about what we wanted to see the Sharks improve 
in the next 52 games. And Randy said that the power play was the one thing that he was looking for to really improve. And I think he's right. I mean, the Sharks, I believe they're 0 for 11 on their last 11 power plays. They missed four opportunities in their last game Thursday night. The Sharks are drawing the least amount of penalties in the NHL, which I know people are saying, well, you know, that's officiating and blah, blah, blah. No, it's not officiating. That's the, well, we can have that discussion another time. But in my opinion, it's the Sharks not giving teams enough problems on defense because you look, when do you draw penalties? When you're looking at golden scoring opportunities or when you're getting beat, that's when guys go out there and commit these penalties. And the Sharks have not been presenting enough problems and they have not been doing those things well enough. So yes, there are times where you wish they would get more penalties, but it's also on the Sharks to create more problems and put teams in a position where they are going to commit these penalties. That wraps it up for this edition of The Buildup. A big thanks to Josh Shoei. We've got pregame coverage coming up at 9.30, and the broadcast starts at 10 right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.